Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi, and this is episode 102. Am I right, guys? 102? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, see, I almost already forgot it. I told you I was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Fredo and Dave, and we're here to talk about nerdy stuff with you. Um, and uh, how are you guys doing this week? We, I think we all decided we're all tired, I think. At least Fredo and I are tired. Dave looks chipper. Yeah, I'm refreshed. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm like just trying to take it easy because I'm going to start a new full-time job in a Ooh. couple of weeks. Hooray! Uh, woo! Yeah, I mean, pending everything going well um, with uh, background checks and whatnot. But uh, uh, so I'm in that process. So I'm in the waiting period. So I'm just trying to like, like recharge. You don't. You um, don't have any. You don't have any buses with freezers sitting in your driveway, do you? No. All right. No. Sorry, that was too soon, probably for a dark uh, joke. But I have an irreverent sense of humor. But this is this is straight out of uh, out of a uh, Netflix series. So the the guy in question was a mutual like of not of me, but like of, I guess of a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. like a friend of a friend. Right, you know, I heard about met that. you at parties and everything like that. And it's just like you never know. You just you just never know. So. Um, the 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 first the first guy who was um um killed in the electric chair in Nebraska Charles Starkweather <clears throat> pardon my cough um, I don't know if you've ever heard the movie Badlands um yeah, but, Charlie yeah. Sheen was or no Martin Sheen was in it uh, that was about uh, Charles Starkweather and uh, he went on this he and Caroline Fugate went on this mass murdering spree across Nebraska well he he was my like my friend's trash man or his mom used to say it was his mom's trash man he said yeah he was the nicest kid he was you know was quiet and very polite but always just so very nice it's like they always are (laughs) it's well it tends to be the case it tends it rarely is somebody who everybody goes yeah that totally was the guy it's most often we'd have no idea until police show up and arrest them this is when i it unveils everything it's also when i thank god i have the job that i have because you know, everybody wants to be, you probably want to be a cop, you know, to protect and serve and all that. And then the day that you have to go, you go someplace and you discover what they discovered. Bleh. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. Let's get away from that. Uh, uh, so I haven't, I haven't been killing <coughs> people. Uh, I've been playing Metroid What's... Dread mostly. And that's. A good one. It's a very, very good one. Have either of you guys played Super Metroid? No. Not in ages. Okay. Ages. <clears throat> um, it's very much in keeping with that game. Um, uh, it's the platforming explorer, you know, try to figure your way through this maze um, and not die from these aliens trying to kill you at the same time. Um, really fun really good game um i've really been enjoying it a lot i i might like it better than super metroid at this point so well, i heard mario kart 9 is in the works that is the rumor so that is the rumor. i'm a big mario kart fan um mm-hmm. one thing we're all fans of are the saints and they're not in the playoffs um it's i was so that was such a weird night we beat atlanta and then like 30 seconds later you feel like you just lost the game, you know, but the fact of the matter is if you don't want to rely on 
another team to get into the playoffs. Well, then don't lose to the Giants and don't lose to the Falcons first time. And, you know. And don't get a, a horrible rough in the passer call called on you against the Titans. Yeah. On a game clinch and interception. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, the, the team, man, all the crap they went through, you know, is. Oh, yeah. They, they gave an effort be worth being proud of. Like, honestly, like it, it sounds corny, but it's like they they fought through all this adversity, all these injuries and COVID stuff. And it just, you know, their court, their their Hall of Fame quarterback retired in the offseason. People just sort of gloss over that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like they were there. They were right there. And, and to your point, like the Giants loss in particular, because I, I was watching the Giants and the Washington Redskins uh, Ooh, Washington media. football team. <laughs> well, yeah, <coughs> football team, sorry. Uh, and they were on the, um, they were on social media and like, it was, I think the third quarter and the giants were running quarterback sneaks on like third and nine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Like, what are you even doing? Third and nine. Yeah. He said he was trying to give him more room to, punt or something i don't know it was dumb like and like you lost that team Mm -hmm. like they've given up they're not even trying they've they got house money the final week of the season you may as well just go out there and have fun and like they're giving up with quarterback sneaks it's just like disgusting but uh yeah so all the saints haters who are listening can enjoy that uh we are lamenting the uh the fate of our team but again you have to be proud yeah. uh, of, of what they did end up doing at the end of the day. I mean, and... I just I just think back to that Monday night game day after uh, two days after Christmas, the one against the Dolphins when they literally could not lose one more player because if they had, they would not have been able to dress 45 players for the game and how awful that what whole experience was. And just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, asking more out of them would have been impl- yeah. implausible. Would players, have been unfair, players were meeting each other in the locker room for the first time, I think, on that day. Yeah, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. Pardon my coughing. Um, no, it's not COVID. It's having pizza for dinner and then taking a brief nap. And so now I've just got old man, you know, hacking. So pardon me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so tonight and in this episode, we're going to um, mainly be uh, doing a little watch party on Boba Fett uh, Chapter 3. And um, so if you want to get Disney Vespas Plus, of Mos Q- Espa? that's right. The Vespas of Mos Espa. Um, and uh, so hit, uh, you know, get it and just skip the intro and skip the recap and you'll have uh, Tatooine landscape. And that's where we'll all start. Uh, but first, as always, we're going to do trivia and then we're going to pick Dave's brain a little bit on uh, his blog post from today. So um, let me pull out three cards for trivia, though. Did <clears throat> All right, so Fredo, we're going to start with you. What type of creature nearly eats the Millennium Falcon whole? I think we've had this question before. I think we have too. And I, when I first when I first read this, I was like, "Oh crap!" And then I was like, "Oh yeah, it's not as hard as you think it is." Is it the space worm or space slug? It is. I would have accepted either, but yes, it is a space slug. So, yeah, I was like, "Oh man!" But there's got to be some nerdy. If, if you know the nerdy answer to this, it's not, you know, like what somebody had to come up with a actual name for this sock puppet alien um, from Empire Strikes Back. Let us know on Twitter. Um, 
And uh, I don't know, do we have any more Houdat Jedi stickers that we can send to anybody like that? Or Possibly. Probably. We'll see if we can hook something up. <clears throat> we'll figure out something. But anyway. All right. Well, Dave, to you. Oh, well, Go. Fredo just gave us the yeah, answer. Yeah, All right. So, no, I'm nobody. Saying it's... <clears throat> All right. So, well, we... we've already got it. Yeah. So, it's, well, so I read, well. Go for it. Well, answers, you'll go, go for it. Go for it. But it is easily, apparently you can find it with a Google search pretty quickly. I'll be, I'll be impressed <laughs> if you come up with it without Googling it. I'll say that. All right, Dave. <laughs> Who gives Vader the chance to brag, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's the line that that's interesting. <clears throat> you know, I remember talking with Scott Colesby when I said, you know, I said I had a problem with with Kenobi and if there is going to be an actual confrontation between Vader and Obi-Wan. I've said I think the confrontation they're going to have is going to be like a force cave thing or, you know, something like that. They're not actually going to be face to face. But his point was there's a line in A New Hope where, you know, Vader says you should not have come back. I was like, okay, well, I'd buy that. But then when you have the, when I last left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And it's like, would he still have thought, considered himself Obi-Wan's Padawan as Vader? I don't know. <clears throat> so... They got some explaining to do. We'll find out soon enough, right? All right. So mm -hmm. my question, who explains this army is for the Republic? Okay. Well, I think that is going to be, oh, what was his name? Is it Lama Sue? It is Lama Sue. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. We're all three right. I think I got the hardest question of the three. Yes, you mm -hmm. did. You I think know, you did. Wasn't all that bad. Um, so, all right. So, um, if if you don't know by now, uh, Dave has a blog, um, and we'll get let him give the URL and stuff here in a second. But he updated um, every time there's a new comic book movie. Um, he uh, he weasels it into his list. His I don't know how he ranks. How he I mean, there's so many now. It's like how do you how many hairs do you have to split sometimes to get these in there? Um, but we had Spider-Man No Way Home. And so he put that in his list. So want him to, first of all, Dave, where is that blog? B, where does Spider-Man fit? And C, if a little bit, if you can go a little, also, you don't have to go in that order, but what's your criteria? And pardon my dogs going nuts in the background. What's the criteria for uh where it fits so yeah my blog's at daveglado.com so that's pretty easy to remember and i can also there's a link to it i think pretty much in every one of our episodes i link to fredo's blog as well um and it's just um you go to daveglado.com and it won't be really very hard to find because i update it every several weeks whenever i watch a new one of these um but yeah so um the kind the idea behind it originally was just let me for my own thinking and my own benefits just sort of see if i can rank these so that because it, it was getting a little unwieldy 
and then I, I started this thing. Let me look at the original publish date on this thing. Two, June of 2016. And, uh, and even at that point, the, the genre was beginning to become a little saturated. And, uh, and so I, I think for like my own benefit, primarily, I, I just kind of wanted to like get an order in place so that I could sort of decide for myself which ones were worth revisiting. And then um, eventually it became a bit of a, a guide mentality to it too. For other people, they could use it for the same purpose if they haven't seen all this stuff. Because like we're up to like 150 of these movies by now. Um, and mm. I'm and I'm only ranking mainstream stuff that's been released in the theater and got a wide release and and that whole so that eliminates a bunch just, of the so this isn't just Marvel movies it is all comic book movies it's like all the Batman and everything mm. yeah okay yeah everything that again got a major release because like there's so much fringe stuff I mean and there's so direct to video and um b movie and uh, you know <laughs> d movie <laughs> and this doesn't include any tv show or no no TV no series, yeah right? none okay. of that either yeah so okay. it's so it's just the big movies right and so like i think for people who are like maybe oh gosh i don't want to like get into the marvel movies and watch you know 30 marvel movies or whatever um this is a bit of a resource potentially for that is just like, okay, is it worth it? Can I look at which movies are actually worth my time? And that's how I break it down. It's like, is it worth watching? Um, I think I go, it's like garbage uh, to meh to, is it worth watching to these are the classics that pretty much everybody should watch. Even if you're not a huge fan of this sort of thing. Okay. So uh, where did, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home fit in. Uh, I put it at 45, which if you think about it, again, we're at about 150. Um, so it's in the top third. Top third, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, my rationale with this one was just simply that it um, it probably was a little overstuffed and it was probably trying to do too much. Um and I think that's a, a problem a lot of comic book movies have. That's a, that's a common critique. It's like, okay, gosh, why are we sitting here for two and a half hours? Um, yeah, well, it's because they're trying to accomplish like four different things. Um, and in this case, that's what they were doing. They well, were yeah. trying to, spoiler alert, uh, they were trying to tell this story, uh, just a basic story of this kid wanting to get his life back. They were trying to um, end this three-movie arc for Peter Parker, specifically uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Uh, they were trying to uh, insert their MCU crossover stuff so that they can tease the next movies. And then they were trying to, at the same time, do a Spider-Man mega crossover event movie as well. And I think ultimately it was just they were trying to do too much. So, and, you know, <clears throat> that's kind of, as an aside, that's kind of, Marvel has gotten kind of bad about that in these most recent movies. You know, early, because you guys made me watch all of them, you know, in one summer. Didn't make me, but it was, it was fun to do. 
but I think it also gives me kind of a, a, a unique perspective. Every, I mean, everybody else watched these when they came out, you know, with a couple of years in between and stuff like that. Um, but that was the thing I noticed is that they got busy awfully, qu- you know, awfully quick. It's like when you start with the Iron Man's and Thor's, um, you know, it's you had maybe a cameo, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's like you're right. It's just it's it's all it's just kind of almost too much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so it was kind of interesting. And, um, cause we watched very much like my project, you know, we watched cause we hadn't seen the other two, um, Tom Holland, uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man movies. Uh, and so we, we rented them and we watched, um, homecoming one night. And then the next afternoon we watched, uh, far from home and then that evening we went and saw No Way Home. So we we saw them literally back to back to back. And I mean we we had seen people saying this is the best MCU movie ever. This is the best of the three Spider-Man and I would I would agree with none of that. Um I thought um Far From Home was better, was the best of the three, the most enjoyable of the three. Um I don't think this even comes near the best MCU movie um and i don't have a good rubric to give you as to why but it's just the i mean if you want to talk about i'm gonna go watch it again right now i don't have any desire to go you know even when it comes out on disney plus it's probably going to be a while before i watch it again it wasn't that i didn't like it but it was it was just meh it was okay it was fun but it was you know it just but it was none of that so um, again, I think that's kind of a unique perspective having seen it and maybe, it, maybe it ruins my experience because we went bang, 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 you know, maybe it is better, you know, maybe distance does make the heart grow fonder, you know, um, I don't know, but it, so a lot of it's, um, it boils down to just personal preference too, because I think far from home is the least successful of the three films and the, the most disposable for me personally. Um, I don't, I don't very much care for that movie, but I know a lot of people like it and you like it and, and that's cool. Um, I guess I, the hints at the bigger question, which was like, what's your rubric for these rankings, you know? And um, I try to come at it from a perspective of like, which movies would a person need to sort of watch to have a better handle on this sort of well um, i mean yeah you go with that you're you're, this is going to be one of those you're going to need to watch i mean because of what's coming up i mean yeah and not only that but like just as not not in terms of like linear storytelling like i need to know what's going to happen you know it's an important movie within the mcu or within the dceu but more so, like, it's an important movie within the genre of superhero movies or comic book movies. It's like The Dark Knight, for example. Um, this is not a major spoiler for me to reveal that that's number one on my list and it, because it kind of transcends um, what one normally thinks about um, these movies being. And it's because it's just a dang good movie, yeah. regardless of what kind of label you want to put on it. And, um, and I think like there's a lot of movies like that, um, in, in 
under this umbrella that a lot of people like to just dismiss because oh well it's kids fair or it's silly um i don't want to see people in spandex or tights running around you know and then they just we're very quickly able to dismiss these things but it's those like, people well, no, probably but... also watch wwe anyway <laughs> well it's entertaining stuff yeah. ultimately that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to be entertained and um and so i think like there's there's there are a lot of these movies that are actually more worthwhile than simply um throwing that label on them of just oh comic book movie oh. so Fredo, before we before we watch uh, Boba Fett, what was your take on No Way Home? Uh, of the three uh, Tom Holland, John Watts, Sony, and Marvel ones, I probably put it first ahead of Homecoming and then Far From Home last. That's got nothing against Far From Home. It's just, you know, uh, I, just, you know I ended up uh, liking this one more. Uh, I find that it's the one comic book movie that made me feel very much like it's a comic book movie by which i mean if you've ever been a fan of comics you've you've encountered at one point or another with a point where you read a comic and the characters there reference events that happen in a comic book you may not have heard but that they'll say oh it happened in this it happened on kenny x-men 145 or happened in amazing spider-man 2 that kind of thing so that amount of reference that amount of connectivity that's integral to the comic book genre normally isn't around in movies because each movie tends to be self-contained. This is one of the ones where I went, okay, this feels like it is comic book movie. Uh, I think it connects a lot to the character and that's where some of the bigger spoilers kind of show and juxtapose Mm -hmm. kind of the essence of Peter Parker, his character. I will say though, in terms of overall Spider-Man movies, it feels very it's secondary to me to into the spider-verse just because this feels like a live action into the spider-verse like everything that uh this movie does into the spider-verse it did just a little bit better and if i could shoehorn it in between i would even put the spider-man playstation 4 game before this movie you know just because i think that that still does a much better job of inheriting and inhabiting the space of uh hmm of spider-man although i will say and i agree 100 with dave a lot of it is this movie serving multiple masters it's serving marvel's purposes for the mcu it's serving sony's purposes for spider-man and their characters that they want to branch off and start doing more stuff with so it's always gonna there's always if there's a drag i agree with y'all in regards to the volume of it like this could there's a nice like two-hour movie in here it's just because they're gonna fit all the other stuff that's gonna springboard all the stuff, we get an almost three-hour movie. I will say, I, I, I didn't mind it. I like I like Doctor Strange saying, "Go Scooby Doo this monkey." <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great line. Can so. I ask you a question? And this is spoiler territory, so warning, spoiler, spoiler. Um, would you guys, at this point, having watched this movie, would you be in favor of having? Toby Maguire or Andrew Garfield back for another installment, either in their universe or another crossover event. I'm, I'm shrugging on an audio podcast. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I really like. Um, uh, I mean, I really like Tom Holland. How he, you know, how he played 
Spider-Man, um, but it's been a while since I've seen the Tobey Maguire, um, you know, I don't think I've seen the Andrew Garfield ones. Um, but, um, so I'm, but, but I, not that I would be opposed. I mean, but in my mind, you know what it's going to be, it's going to be, um, okay. Yeah, that is, that is Peter Parker, but it's a different Peter Parker. It's not like if, you know, somebody was to show up and try to start playing, you know, Luke Skywalker midway through the, you know, original trilogy. Um, you know, it's like they've established this multiverse thing, so it wouldn't be offensive to me, but it would be, Mm -hmm. it's not the same character that Tom Holland was playing. It is a something from someone from a different universe that is now stuck in this one. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Fredo. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I'm fine with it being a wonderful send-off for those versions of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, we know where the story's going to go. That's that's part of the beauty of this movie is that it interconnects the fact that so much of the character of Peter and Spider-Man is about sacrifice. It's about seeking to do the right thing no matter the cost. That's, that's the essence of both what Stanley and Steve Ditko created and what's been in these movies. And they, they do a great job of showing you and telling you. So I don't necessarily need to know that they're, that Toby and Andrew are still doing that thing. We know they're gonna keep doing it because they're Spider-Man. So I don't necessarily think I wanna go back and revisit that. I just think, okay, they both got a beautiful send off in a way that neither Spider-Man 3 nor Amazing Spider-Man 2 gave those characters. Let them have this and let them move on on the, oh, it was wonderful and maybe what could have been, but not, because if you go back and try to redo it, I'm afraid you're going to run into the same issues that eventually sunk Spider-Man with uh, Toby and Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew. Sony's going to want to have too much of this cake again and it'll Uh, blow up in their face. Well, let's... uh... Not to not to stymie the conversation, but let's get to let's get to Boba Fett since we have a whole episode to watch, and we can maybe dive into the Spider-Man. You can get, I can go watch the Spider-Man movies I haven't watched, and we can, you know, sing Spider Pig all you know Spider Pig Spider Pig. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was an enjoyable movie. And was it this one? I, you know, the writers were waiting until the last one to use the phrase Peter Tingles as well. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's, you don't you don't you don't spend that on the uh, on the first uh, episode. You wait until the last one. All right. So on the count of three, we're going to jump into the book of Boba Fett. Remember, get Disney Plus. Skip the recap. Skip the intro. And on the count of three, hit play. One, two, three. Play. Turn down my volume. I love that we see a Bomar monk. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, so I'm you know so we got we got eighty eight starting off um, telling he giving, who must not be named. What's that? He who must not be named. Yeah, like yeah. He's he's given the he's, he's given the lowdown of what happened with uh, all the crime syndicates um, after what do you, what do they call it the sail barge. Um, disaster, which I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, so yeah, we start off a little exposition here. Um, 
Okay, so you see these little like rancor heads on the throne here. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That he sits on. It's kind of a funny thing when you think about it, given what we learn more about the Rancor in this episode. It's like pictures of your dog (laughs) on on your throne. I mean, they were there. They were always there. Um, Yeah. And actually, in in the sail barge, they have, and you can can buy a Rancor head door knocker too. Um, But uh, um, it's it's a bit like taking a picture of your dog and, and framing it or having a having a portrait done of your dog well i could i could so okay well <laughs> you know i play i play the bo- i play i play the boron you know the irish hand drum and it's that typically the the head is goat skin and there was a guy from a group in ireland he was talking about how he had um this dog this german shepherd that was with him for like you know 13 14 years and when the dog passed, he had a drum made out of the dog. And Brittany turned to me and said, no. <laughs> I was like, nope. yeah. Um, so before before the, the story really gets uh, honking here, before the, I mean, the guy from news radio and um, uh, dodgeball comes in and says, these these darn kids keep stealing my water. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to raise a beef here that I've raised before and because there is so much good going in this and you know we set up at the top the vespas of mosespa and when we get there so i don't have to lament the whole time this is one of the things there's so much good going on and so much good visual effects that the bad is really bad and you know is a couple episodes ago with the clash of the titans goro guy you know we thought you guys thought it was kind of quaint and kind of cool but i think what we saw this week and where we've seen in other Star Wars, you know, episodes is that they spend all of their allowance in one place and then they got, oh, crud, we got to do this thing over here. Or they let the A team do this stuff and they let the, the high school, you know, AV club do this stuff over here. And my worry is, is that if we get too much of that, then it's going to become what I worried about is that it's going to start looking like, you know, Battlestar Galactica from 1982 or, you know, just bad science fiction rather than I would rather them release a movie every seven years and have it look awesome than, than, than be C work. And I'm not saying it's failing work. It's just C work. It makes me wonder if this is just one of those limitations that we are getting, you know, we're one of the walls we're trying to, we're hitting up against the technology that's made the possibility of these shows because the volume is a set, meaning it's a warehouse. And so far they've not needed to build more than that. And when you're going to have an action chase sequence, if you're having to say build, you can only build like two, three alleys, and then you have to move stuff around and reset. Do you lose something in the? Because now you you're what? doing a lot of cuts and edits. Then you know what? That you, may not create the dynamic. Then you don't. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you then you don't do the scene. It's like when recording a CD. It's like the the people who say we've got to have 15 songs on a CD, and so mm-hmm. you just start plugging things in there, rather than I would rather thing. have a CD that has five awesome songs than a CD that has five awesome songs and 10, 
you know so it's like and so so that's why i said you know then maybe don't yeah, do the scene a- because they made the train go vroom 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 real fast and this made it look like a bu- like a bunch of people at rouses on those little scooters shopping and you know moving at about five miles an hour sorry because what i was going to say is part of the problem is so far every chase scene that we've seen in both this show as well as the mandalorian has been cgi has been space has been fast vehicles has been limited stuff where most of the stuff is created designed to be built in a computer this is the first time we're getting actors behind a real life prop in a real life set so that's kind of why i'm wondering if this is just the kind of you know robert rodriguez wants to do this he wants to try it out they do it and then they they realize this is the best they can make it work and maybe this is something where they're learning the limitations of the technology that they have where they go we really can only do this and make it look good if we try to go any further we lose that sense of uh action that we want to engender it just looks kind of goofy so we can we can talk more about when it gets here let's uh we're, we're in the heat of the thing here where we're meeting the lost boys or whatever they are the mm-hmm. the, the, the vespa the vespas of mosespa crew and it's really getting it's really hinting back to you know boba fett you know what his line from the mandalorian where he said you know what do you say um about something about saving the wretched um Mm-hmm. You know, and he he seems to he's I mean he's taken in strays, you know he's mm-hmm. he's finding people and he sees, you know this guy thinks they're garbage, and it's kind of like the Tuscans people thought they were evil and he saw the good in them the you know or a different side to them, I think he can recognize that mm-hmm. in people that yeah they've got they've just got a tough life, but you know they've got they've got some worth here. Um, but he's also trying to build a gang. Mm-hmm. Dave Fredo and I have been hogging the mic. Well, it's a logical uh, place for him to continue to move, is to continue to build out his forces, because I think he knows at this point, not fully what he's dealing with, but that he is that he is that he has a battle on his hands. Um, and so it 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 benefits him tremendously. To continue to build out his own army, so to speak, um, and so this and, is part of that. And one of the things we kind of went, went over that was in the intro was the explanation by the droid regarding the, the power dynamics within Mosespa that kept Bib Fortuna in power. Because remember, the first the time we saw Boba walk in, he just straight up walked into the palace, shot Bib Fortuna, threw him, threw his corpse of the of the throne and set in it. So we're like, wait, you just walk in and do that? How was Bib able to do all this? This is showing you that he had manipulated the dynamics within Mosespa, kept them fighting, and that kept them in power. And of course, Boba's looking to do a different thing altogether. So we keep seeing flashbacks to Camino, which, I mean, makes sense. <clears throat> but I also, I'm going to throw in my plug that I still think we're going to get some sort of Bad Batch connection with Omega or something like that. Um, because we keep that had so much time on Camino. Now he's spending time on Camino. I think those two are going to come into connection. Um, so now he is what off to, uh, actually deal with the pikes to get him to stay off sort the, of. uh, the land of the, uh, Tuscans, huh? 
Mm-hmm. Or uh, to uh, get the uh, protection fee. That's right. Which, again, the Pikes uh, point out to him that they're already paying a protection fee. And then that leads him into a bad realization eventually. But uh, I like that little interplay. Um, it seemed in character for everyone. It seemed in character for Boba to may- maybe not have all the information, but to still feel like I I should have a seat at this table. Um, and them to offer, well, you need to do this if you know if that's going to be the case. And uh, and so he he agrees to do it. And then, of course, we don't get to see that get paid off for um, a reason. Um, I just noticed, by the way, that we just saw what's her name and her pit droids just walk by uh, mm-hmm. from that works on Mando's ship. I can't remember what her name is, but uh, yeah, they just had her and her pit droids walk by in the background. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was, there's there's a lot of callbacks here. We saw the the stormtrooper helmets on the sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Amy Sedaris. Yes, that's the name. Yeah. Yeah, because this most likely, and you know, last time we saw that, we had seen that. So it's interesting to bring this back. And what I love, I mean, yeah, going to your point, Aaron, uh, regarding the, the, um, the agreement with the Pikes, just it's interesting. The, to the Pikes, this is business. They're accustomed to doing business. They were doing it with the Huts. They're willing to do it with the Tuscans, but they're only willing to do it with one faction. Whatever problems your people have with whoever else is claiming ownership, we don't deal with that. We pay, we cut one check. You do figure we, out who cuts it. Do we find out who's claiming ownership? Yes. Well, who's also claiming ownership? It's the uh, other gang, the gang that. Oh, that's right. Yes, uh, that's right. The, uh, the, the sharks to the Vespa jets. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and they have a grudge yeah. uh, at this point. And so, um, Again, you're gonna get see that paid off here in a minute, um, which yeah, I, I had mixed feelings about, to be honest. Um, Me too. Yeah, um, I shared a thread, a uh, social thread, with the uh, other guys last week, which talked about some of the perspectives uh, as it relates to Native Americans, Indigenous peoples, and um, and this series. And um, this was just one person's opinion, but her opinion was like, gosh, I feel like we're headed towards uh, the tribe getting wiped out, which is a common trope in um, in modern literature, modern film, when, when we're dealing with indigenous peoples. And I'm just going to hate to see that if it happens. And sure enough, here it comes. Um, so I don't like that. Um the reason I'm at, at this point just sort of rolling with it is because it is super important to his character. Um, we needed there to be more push for him to want to take on the frickin' pikes at the end of this. Um, everybody's telling him, <laughs> the huts are telling him, we're getting off, we're getting out of here, you should get out of here he's not going to do it. And why isn't he going to do it? It's because it's personal and you're seeing why it's personal here. Yeah. Well, 
this is, I mean, well, technically speaking, I guess it would be under the pikes, but this is the uh, Sandriders, the Nictor Sandriders, which is the same gang that he took out a few guys and got their speeder bike. So I guess they eventually find out who took the bikes, who uh, claimed the possession over the Dune Sea over them, and who uh, uh, took their, he's trying to muscle into a protection bracket. I'm telling you, they wouldn't have done this if they hadn't have had that agreement in place with the Pikes and the Pikes. Yeah. And the Pikes might have even said, oh, you know what? If you're looking for him, by the way, we know. Yeah, there's this encampment over here. You might want to check out, you know, like Mm -hmm. I fully suspect that. I think that the the story is hinting at that. um, Not Mm -hmm. so subtly Mm -hmm. that like the Pikes betrayed him completely. Um, Once I got back. Yeah. By the way, and, yeah, I'm sorry. And this is what we're seeing right now. And again, I, I assume people are watching along, but again, it's it's where his tribe is mowed down, um, mm-hmm. and this is what gives him the motivation later. Music here is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Oh. <laughs> Lord Gorson. I love the end theme too. Like we we like yell that at each other after the. Sing that at, at each other from across the house after we watch this this show. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but but to go to your point, uh, uh, Dave. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's an uncomfortable trope because it's been so long. Hold on, Rosantan is about to kill Boba Fett. So yeah, no, we're, actually, we're going to get a lot of Wookie action here, and uh, we've never. We've never seen a Wookiee move like this. Uh, <laughs> that scene where he rips him out of the back of the tank freaked my kids out. <laughs> kind of freaked me out a little bit too. Yeah. And and Boba in his swim trunks. Uh, but uh, yeah. Oh, I love the the electro brass knuckles that he's got. Yeah. I mean, there there was one part though that was really kind of. Because the, it, it, none of this sounded like Chewbacca except for one howl. And then it's like, really? Okay, you've just gave us like a whole bunch more Wookiee noises. Really? Did you need one more? And let's make it sound exactly like Chewbacca. You know, that's that's also a little bit of just keep going with what you were doing. But uh... Well, it's a, neat, it's a neat way to make sure that, you know, you recognize that he's part of the same... Uh species which you should but also to create some differentiation which again so far i mean we've we've only heard how many wookies really what what hasn't ours yeah i mean what hasn't been answered here though and this is what brit says like how'd he get in past the gamorians past fennec past the lost boys you know i mean the vespa vespas from most espa you know how how did he get in he it's not like he's a ninja you know i mean (laughs) A Wookiee just doesn't, you know. He might have scaled up the wall. He might have scaled up the wall again. Wookies are very good climbers. So it's it's an interesting point, but yeah, you're like he's not he's not uh, uh, easy to miss. And That's it's one thing the, it's one thing to get Wookiee. it's one thing to get into Jabba's palace, you know, or both has palace, but then to know exactly where both. I think this is an inside job. I, I I mean well, we we know gonna, we we know that the huts you know because you know the twins are going to show up here in a little bit and we know that the huts you know hired him but I I mean again that's one thing to get into the palace but to know 
exactly where to go. Um, I was going to say, so I guess what we're now, seeing, you know, what we're seeing here is the star Wars, January 6th, you know, reenactment, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was, cause I, I, part of me was thinking uh, of the water vendor, uh, North appeal, Stephen root for those of you. Who know him. Uh, and the look he gave after he got shafted out of credits and out of revenge by Boba Fett. And it made me wonder if maybe he told uh, Rosanta, hey, this is the way you go and this kind of see. It, what I was going to, but really the bigger point is we're going to see later on another character. What I'm liking about it is that they are very, you know, the writers and the directors are being very good about showing you that Boba is standing on very shifting sand. There's very few people he can trust in this whole play. The only person he really 100% trusts is Fennec Shand. And besides that, even even the, the Gamorrean guards and even Deborah, he is unsure because no, nothing's what it seems. And I'm going to put on my bingo card here that if there is, if it was an inside job, it was set up by Fennec Shand. Because this scene right here, she's talking about, you need to enjoy the trappings. You need, she's, she's wanting to be ruthless. She's wanting to be, you know, you know, all these things. And I mean, even back in the Mandalorian, we saw her rolling her eyes when Boba mm -hmm. wanted to go a different route. So there's, I mean, yeah, there, I, I think there's a, there's a tension here that, um, wouldn't be surprised if we get to the end of this and Fennec Shand was like, yeah, it was me. I'm the one that, you know, sent the Wookiee after you. If I would have gotten away with it, if it wasn't for you and these, you know, stupid kids, kids and their dog, you know, um, and Dr. Strange, but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Like you can't like rule anything out at this point. Right. And, uh, you're dealing with, you know, liars and thieves. And, uh, so they're going to lie and thieve. Um, and that's the nature of these characters that he's surrounded himself with. This interaction with the huts is so funny. We've come to apologize. We sent Chrysanthemum to kill you. We're sorry. <laughs> By the way, they're going to quit and say they're going to run out of here in just a minute. Do you actually buy that? I, I mean, I actually do. Um, okay. I, I took that at pretty much at face value, partially because they brought the freaking Rancor with Danny Trejo. With Danny Trejo. <laughs> and, is, and, is the, and is this Moochie? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. There's going to be a moment he gives to the camera, he and the Rancor, where I went double meaning, double intended. But, but yeah, they're saying that the planet already was given to somebody else. That's the reason why the Huts are saying we're leaving, even though just a few, a day or so earlier, they're like, oh, no, we're claiming this. This was our cousins. It's ours now. We'll fight you. And not only that, but we'll send our best bounty hunter up to you, up to kill you. And this is a big 180 so quickly. Well, the, you know, it's the line of dialogue. This territory has been promised to another syndicate. The, there's one syndicate that would make the huts think twice about uh sticking around and it is the pikes and so that's the reveal right there you don't need mm -hmm. to actually see them land their sh little ship at the end of the show to know that it's them um 
and to know that they're justified in wanting to leave again like you to your point they could be lying but like at this point i'm i'm thinking they're gone and i'm thinking the pikes <laughs> have been firmly established as um boba fett this season's uh, guys. major antagonist yes because the reason it makes me think it is just because this has been ruled by either Jabba the Hutt for 30 some odd years and then for a few years after uh, Jabba, Bib Fortuna, allegedly under the auspices of the Huts. So the fact that Tatooine, which we know from Phantom Menace, is under the protection of the Huts, they're now packing up and going for two things. One, that's, that's surprising. But two, who promised a planet that's been for generations for a generation or so under hut control to the pikes. Who's got the power to make that move? So do you think uh Chrysanthem is gonna come back and join his gang? I think of, the of, odds are are more likely than not likely. That would be, their little interaction there, I think there was a bit of respect, you know, that was like, mm -hmm. Oh, you're letting me go? All right. It's business. Also, I think like for some people that have not been familiar with the comics, this is a this is a character that is beloved in that realm. Um, mm -hmm. So they were never going to off him, or you know, like feed him to the rancor or anything like that. They were going to want him to survive. So I mean, clearly, um, they have the option now of bringing him back if they want, but now they don't have to, and he can go on having adventures and other stories. And it's interesting because he's one of many, again, one of the many gray shaded characters that we've met so far. He's not evil. He's not good, but he's not evil in our understanding between, say, light and dark Jedi and Sith. He's very much out for himself and this is business, uh, which is part of what makes him and Boba and Fennec and all the characters oh, it's, so interesting. It's it's Yelena, you know, in, in Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, I mean, it sounds weird. She's not a bad person. She's just a hired gun that kills people for money. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, um, it's interesting though. We spend so much time with the Rancor and wondering where this is going to go. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because Danny Trejo's giving you a ton of exposition on Rancor, you know, how they can be very loving how uh, they have complex emotional creatures. Uh, you can ride them, which that tells me we're going to see an episode of Boba Fett riding a Rancor. Well, they, he, the interesting, so he says, you know, why are the blinders on him? He said, because they connect with the first person they see. Now, Boba Fett cannot be the first person that this Rancor has seen. So that's why, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trusting, I'm not trusting this dude with it i mean because <laughs> trust no one i mean <laughs> that's kind of where we're at but uh, yeah mm -hmm. to your point like why are we why are we spending so much time on this i think there's a couple of decent possibilities one is that the rancor comes in and whoops some rear end eventually on his behalf um or two he becomes really emotionally connected with this pet and it somebody kills it uh and sends him over the edge yeah if we're going with tropes that'll be the trope to go with right uh but also by the way i love the little line that he gives where it says he's ridden beast 10 times its size which is a wonderful callback to the original uh holiday special short animated short of him 
when he's riding that pterodactyl. So you know you were you were talking about double entendres. There's a um, sometime we're gonna have to have if we ever have a Patreon, we're gonna have to have the show where it's all the lines in uh, Star Wars that are double entendres. Um, I'll just stop right there because it's a family mm-hmm. show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I totally expected the Rancor to like start whipping him around like a rag doll here, but it didn't happen. So, um, mm-hmm. but this is where okay, this is again. So Aaron's fears are coming back because his third episode of six, mm-hmm. and we we we're spending. Dang near five minutes petting a rancor. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like I'm afraid that the last episode is going to be, and then all the things happen. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, did you get that little moment where Danny Trejo tells the rancor, "Don't worry, he'll be back," and the rancor kind of looks towards the camera? Yeah. Well, that's and I'm like, just like, we do that with our pet. You know. Yeah, but also, you know, it's like part of me is like, oh, he's trying to tell you know, encourage it, he'll be back. But also, like, Seriously, could he also like be like, oh no, Rouse's. don't worry, you'll get to eat him another time, huh? Uh, no, I said they all look like all those kids look like they're shopping at Rouse's. It's uh, I I hate the look of those scooters. Okay, so yeah, that was a controversy. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of people complaining about that online. There was one guy in particular who got a lot of traction and was like, this George Lucas would have never. And um, a lot of people are like, um, did you know that George Lucas loved a hot rod and that's his youth? And you see his other movie, American Graffiti. Well, and I, you know, and the, here's the thing. I didn't like the look of the speeders in uh, episode two. Mm-hmm. They looked too much. It, it looked too much like a car. It looked, mm-hmm. you know, these look too much like Vespa scooters. It's like, that's what the cool thing about the speeder bike in 1983 was that, yeah, okay, it's a space motorcycle, but it doesn't look like a motorcycle. And they didn't make the handlebars look like the handlebars off a of Harley and then change the body. It They made it look like it was its own thing and that's where so yeah i get you dave and you know day and and they designed those speeders in episode two um because of that to make a callback to american graffiti but it's also starting mm-hmm. again again i don't know it it's starting to look too it's kind of like having the boston electronics you know um dog walking around it's starting to look too much like we filmed this in our backyard now here comes the chase okay so the one thing i'll say about this chase to defend it based on what you guys were saying earlier um it reminds me a little bit of the opening of solo um which wasn't the most exciting chase sequence i'd ever seen either um there were a couple of moments with this with the speeder shot in particular like i'm just seeing one right now where he whips around the corner and he knocks a droid over and it's like it it felt familiar in that respect that's like i've seen something like this already in star wars so i'm a little more forgiving um just because of that i it's like i've seen this before i wasn't impressed the last time i'm not impressed now but I, I don't like hate it and 
I think again, I think I think it's because the thing that kills me again are the scooters. They they just they look dumb and they look like they're moving so slow. You know, there's no sense of speed to them because there's no exhaust, there's no tire spin, there's nothing. So and the effects are just kind of just kind Mm -hmm. of bad. They're just kind of bad. And again, it's not again not it's not F work. It's you know it's it's like they just kind of dialed it in. It's like ah, good enough, you know. No, I will say that the one chase sequence that this reminded me of wasn't a Star Wars one. It was um, if you ever had the misfortune of watching Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> the the bike scene with uh, Charlotte both through the university. Yep. It it's much in, in the same keeping. It's designed it's it's almost like it's what your dad thinks would be cool and that's kind of the problem with this this is what this looks like this looks like what your dad thinks would be cool and and how many how many nobody gets really hurt how many instances of somebody crossing the street almost getting hit do we need you know what i mean it's like i don't know yeah no like you mean like right now when the when the guy just uh run over a painting of java yeah, I mean, and that was a Ralph McQuarrie painting, which is kind of neat. But, you know, Dave, to your point, no, it doesn't make me want to claw my eyes out, but it makes me want this scene to be over. I right. mean, which I, this is I just, I, you know, well, probably check Twitter instead of watching this scene again, you know. <laughs> and we got, he's in say, a pile of Melurons. That's fun. I mean, anyway. Uh, no, I was gonna say, and it's but like the scene the is. I'm sorry, the scene is saved when Boba comes coming in on his jetpack. Anyway, go ahead, Dick Fredo. Okay, no, and it's like the fence. The purpose of this scene, more than anything, is to show that Boba was right about the the kids here, but drafting them into his gang, that they're already paying up for the trust that he's shown them and the loyalty he's shown them. So they're returning it. They're willing to follow, do what he's to tell them to do. And willing the, to risk themselves. So, thematically, that's what it's doing. And the, the homo- is the problem. And the homage to George. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, oh, they, yeah. didn't, they wouldn't have wanted to cut that scene because of that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And and I I get that. <laughs> it's like yeah, again, it can be like to your point, Aaron. It's like well, at some point, if it's terrible enough, you have to cut it and you have to not do it. And I get that, but like we said, it's like C work, right? Not but, F work. But so. that, but that's. Can what, I be honest, right quick? Mm-hmm. But that's, but that's. I was just gonna th- say. No, I'm sorry, but I that's that's what's frustrating though is that somebody had to have recognized that it was C work, you know, before the thing was rendered, and it was like, at some like I said, when you're putting anything together in a creative process, at some point somebody in the band or in the design crew is going, this ain't working. This isn't what we thought it was going to be. Go ahead, Fredo. No, I was just going to say, also to select the fence, the very next scene, the one showing the space shuttle landing or the shuttle landing and letting the pikes off, that looks like it would fit right at well alongside Galactic Star Cruiser at Disney World. Yeah, it did. Like you're talking sea, you're talking sea work, all the extras, all the way that shot just tells me. See, that tells me that's in a set and. It looks like innocent, and that's probably the biggest criticism I can levy at this episode is that a lot of the big moments look and feel like they were done at a theme park. So we are halfway through the series, 
uh, where, where do you think, uh, Dave, you've kind of alluded to it, where you think this story is going. It's, it's going to be a, a showdown between he and the Pikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's also, and here's the interesting, I mean, well, yeah. So it, the, yeah, anyway, but it's going to, it's going to be a showdown between he and the Pikes. And so then it's like, um, how do, I, I guess it'll be interesting when we talk after the whole series is over is where does this fit into the entire Star Wars story? But I, I think the interesting question is, isn't so much uh, what's going to happen, but actually where it will leave him. Um, because like, is he going, we know he's going to battle the Pikes but is it going to be is he going to be successful is he going to get everything he wants is he going to get his happy ending i would wager no and so like what are going to be the outcomes of this struggle that are negative for him and how will that cause change and growth for his character the last scene of the last episode is going to be star killer oh it can't be star killer base coming and destroying tatooine because mm-hmm. ray is on tatooine at the end of rise of skywalker darn it that would have been right. awesome <laughs> no what I was nobody can go was... to tatooine ever again <laughs> yeah no more desert planets we hate saying this has been established no uh i guess what it's what i'm finding interesting is we know that the Pikes are on Tatooine when Boa wants to talk to them. But we know that they just came back right now. Got off that shuttle. So what happened that made them not be there in the intervening years? Did Boba kick them out? What happened there? I guess we'll find that out in the next episode. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see because it seems like they're establishing that there's bad blood between Boba Fett and the Pikes. Yeah, I think that you. I think that's really an astute observation. I think it's more likely that we're going to see more of that backstory between those two factions, and and there will be more bad blood. Um, it would not surprise me if in the very next episode we saw more of that that story where Boba mm-hmm. confronts them over the death of his tribe. Right. Which, I mean, I still I hate that trope. I really do. I was hoping that they were not going to go down that route. I was hoping that they were going to do something different and unique. Look, I get it, Robert Rodriguez, and it's you know they're they're adapting it's, Western tropes, but it's into also Star Wars, which is in of itself. But it's it's tired. It's old. We don't need we don't need to rehash that. But it's also it's also Boba's story. You know mm-hmm. he his you know he, his dad is murdered in in front of him. You know his you know. Um, it's just like he never, never, every time he starts to find a place and then we go through the clone wars, even when he was running his band of bounty hunters, that didn't go that well for him. Um, mm-hmm. Every time he starts finding kind of his place, you know, that is taken away. You mentioned, you think the rancor is going to die because he can, makes a connection to it. I mean, that's it. it so, yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, while you're right that the trope is tired, um, but it was it was going to have to be. It kind of was. I mean, the writing was on the wall that it was probably going to happen, and then it did. And and again, it gives him more incentive how, now to fight this fight. However, to be the negative Nancy in the room again, because you're saying that's you know 
kind of a, kind of lazy writing is what I'm hearing because it's mm -hmm. like over. So is all the stuff that we see, like I said, Oh, you know what? He's got to crash into a crate of Melurons. The people that watch rebels will really love it. Or, you know, we got to put this in there. We got to put that in there. It seems like I, I can see that this one's being a little bit, um, I think there was more thought into the story of the Mandalorian than the book of Boba Fett right now. Book of Boba Fett right now seems to be kind of, you know, interesting, but it's not like it was their, their best job as a whole. Which kind of, you know, well, and then that kind of calls to some of the underlying fears that or concerns that, you know, people are having about Star Wars overall and Disney Plus just because, yes, they want to get product, quote unquote, out. They want to get these shows out. But it's making sure that they're of sufficient enough standard that they can meet or uh, be on the same level as the movies. Because people are going to hold it to that standard whether they want to or not. And so let's let's go back to what I said about, you know, Spider-Man, where I said I saw each one of them back to back. And so, no, I wasn't as turned on by, you know, this latest one as I was, you know, you know, the second one. So Fredo. are we are we getting, you know, because Star Wars was like, yeah, you're always going to have naysayers. But mm -hmm. because it was an event and there was always like three years in between them or longer, um, the fact that now we're have that we have with the Mandalorian and with Book of Boba Fett and that's going to be with Obi Wan, it's going to be all these that week to week to week to week to week that people are just going to get more and more ticked as they go on. And Absolutely. so, and again, I my worry is that it's going to start looking like I said, like Battlestar Galactica um, from nineteen eighty two. Um, but I almost I'm I'm almost wondering, yeah, I, I'm. I wish they just kind of do movies. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there as kind of stream of consciousness. But go ahead. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go find on YouTube. See, see, I don't know if you remember, Aaron, but they did a sequel to Battlestar Galactica called Galactica 1980, mm -hmm. where they found Planet Earth and they were trying to assimilate and find out about it. And I think I remember there was at least an episode where they're riding around in motorcycles <laughs> that sure. looked very similar to this. So I'm gonna see if I can find it. And if I find it, I'll share it so you can have a laugh. Because unfortunately, yeah, there again, there are limitations to the technology. There's limitations to the budget. Again, if you're trying to make four Star Wars shows, you can't put all your big budget into well, one. But, and, but that's my point. Out. Would you would you rather have you know the whole thing of like Dude. that no, the whole thing of that there's you know, there's no bad pizza. You know, mm -hmm. where it's like Pizza, pizza always tastes good, no matter what type of a deal. Where mm -hmm. we know that that's like you know not it's you know some pizza is better than others, but you always it's so. Do you want do you want your Star Wars to be like that pizza, or do you want your Star Wars to be the the steak dinner that you get like once a year on your birthday or anniversary or something like that, where you really splurge and go get a good steak, not you know USA Steak Buffet you know, or golden corral or something like that, you know, that's, and, and again, we're only a couple series into this, but that is my worry is that it's going to become 
this mass produced, just churned out thing that is going to, and we're just going to get kind of beaten into mediocrity of, okay, yeah, I'll accept it because it's Star Wars. Yay, it's Star Wars. But then when you look at it, it's like, but it's not good Star Wars. You know, I don't know. I'm not, and I'm not saying that this is bad Star I'm just saying that I'm seeing some C work, so. I, and I think it's fair to critique the C work when you see it. Um, I also feel like ultimately we're, we're trying to be fans or we're trying to enjoy what we're watching and um, come at it from that perspective too. So um, I think like at least when I'm when I'm sitting down and I'm watching, I, I always give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, I always try to come in with an open mind and, um, and then when I get what I get, I can, then I can try to be fair to it, but you know, we're not all the way through it yet. I don't know. Um, and to your bigger question, like, are we going to get to that point? I'm, I don't want to be there either. Um, for whatever it's worth, I we, we talked about the Marvel situation. I, 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 there's too much, um, and it's fine, and it's all interconnected, and it's cool, and you can consume as much as you want. You don't have to watch all of it, and I get all that. Um, but uh, you know, the Disney Plus shows were mostly good, but I get kind of burned out on it. Um, and now this year, we've talked about it. We're going to get more shows in star wars and if they're not to a standard that we think the mandalorian typically reaches then we probably will be disappointed um and justifiably so but i don't i'm not sure that it makes it a poor decision either on their part they've got to you know they got to run a business and they got to have content churning through it and but would um, it be what? But would it be? Uh, I, th- I think at some point, I think at some point, Lucasfilm needs to sit and look at this Disney Plus experience and experiment and say, would it be better for us to spend the cash on a two-hour full-blown movie that we release on Disney Plus versus three or four series of you know six episodes? that again is just kind of, you know, that good pizza for midnight. You know what I mean? Um, because if I know that I'm going to get a new star Wars movie every year coming out on Disney plus, that's going to be two hours and change. I'm still keeping that subscription. You know what I mean? I'm still keeping that subscription. Um, now I'm still going to keep my subscription knowing that I'm going to get, you know, series after series that could, you know, have its ups and downs, but you know, would, I don't know. I just think I, I just, I just don't, the, the star Wars has always stood out and I know there, there are blemishes, but star Wars has always stood out amongst the space fantasy sci-fi genres just because of you know, how good it looked, you know, like I said, there are blemishes, sure. And, but there should not be blemishes now. And I'm seeing blemishes. 
and that's that's what's hmm. disappointing. And then that's what couple that is... couple that with the writing that's kind of, you know, then it's it's just making you oh, fearful. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm just fearful. Fredo. No, I guess what I was going to say is just uh, you know, one regarding the pizza, it's a matter of expectation. If this, if the book of Boba Fett had been a two, two and a half hour movie, though we could have sat down and watched once, expectations would have been high, but it would have been one pizza in one sitting. I think the difficulty in the streaming model, the way that Disney Plus is using it, where it's six episodes, as opposed to you, you're getting the one slice of pizza in six different bites. So your expectation is like, mm, maybe that first bite was, wasn't good. Maybe, oh, the second one was good. Eh, third one's kind of okay. So you're coming at it always like like it is a Star Wars project and you're hoping to be wowed. But because you're not getting the full story, that only means you can only be respond to what you're getting at that moment. So I do wonder if, if maybe making a two-hour movie would have worked better for something like the Book of Boba Fett, whereas with the Mandalorian, because they're telling a broader story, you can't keep that same quality of writing, of acting, of special effects across the entire season. And Dave, please don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm not like the people that I'm seeing online that it's like they see the slow speed chase and they're like, "Oh God, this sucks. I'm done with this." Blah 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 blah. blah. You know, and then they you know swear off Star Wars forever. Far from it. You know, it's like. You can, you know, it's like you can listen to your favorite band and it's like you're listening to their new album and you're listening to these songs. These are really good. Then you get to a song where it's like, well, I didn't really care for that song all that much. You don't throw the CD off to the side and move on. Next one gets kind of to your pizza metaphor there, Fredo. It gets, you know, next one gets a little bit better. However, if your band comes out with great first CD and the second CD is, yeah, pretty good. And then the third CD is not all that good. Then that fourth one comes out. You're not going to rush to the store to buy it. You'll eventually get it, but you're not going to rush to the store to buy it. You know, and that's, that's where I worry. It's kind of like you with the Marvel Disney plus it's, you know, not going to probably not going to watch Hawkeye on Wednesday the minute, first minute I can, I'll watch it on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, you know, but Mandalorian, by God, I was, you know, I was there the first instance I could, you know, in Book of Boba Fett, I'm still that way. But, um, I worry that it's going to get to, Oh, new star Wars came out today or I'll watch it on Saturday. Like I said, I wonder if, if, if the model is part of the issue. I mean, yeah. uh, last month, uh, Netflix put out season two of The Witcher, all all eight episodes, all in one weekend. You know, I, that's what I did. Sat down, watched four episodes one day. Sat five, watched five episodes the next day. No, oh no, four episodes. It's four and four. So, whether there was any up or down, whether it was any uh, disappointment or a low point, it was easy to just blow past it because here comes the next episode that's building up on it. Because we're getting these every, uh, once a week. We don't get that moment of, hey, you know, we're placing past the, this moment. We get to sit with it for a week. And that maybe gets to build up the disappointment and the uh, anxiety over it. So it ends up being not not as good. Now, next week's episode comes and blows us out the water. Right. I wonder to see how much how much of this week's disappointment might just... Now, I will say, I will say that I thought that the, the, the story kicked in 
this week. Mm-hmm. I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we still had a flashback, but it, it, I felt like the story pushed forward. So I was happy with that. I'm wondering if uh, I'm not really aware uh, of this, so I'm sort of ignorant, but uh, I wonder if there are test audiences for streaming shows mm-hmm. or streaming content, because like that seems like the kind of thing, the release of the content that would be dependent upon how your audience reacts to something. Because again, I think I kind of agree that this episode is up and down. Um, But if you're committed to kind of this weekly rollout, this might have been the week that you packaged this episode with episode four. Oh, we're giving you two episodes this week. You know, Um, if you know that three, the episode three may not be, you know, your best material. Um, And I'm sure some of that goes on and some of those discussions go on, but I just wonder how well they test all that stuff because like, again, I think like that would, that, to your point, Fredo, it's like, yeah, there are certain warts that you overlook in other series when you're able to just binge them. Well, um, and here's the other thing to get to, to cut the creators a little bit of slack as well. They're used to working on a two hour movie, not a almost six, six hour mm-hmm. project. And mm-hmm. so, you know, their deliverables, you know, it, it might be that, you know, this does eventually they look and say, this doesn't work for us because it's not reaching a standard because we just can't meet that standard given the budget constraints and given the staffing, whatever, you know, and just the turnaround on getting these things done because like, you know, speeder bike chase and any other movie is probably going to be a, you know, six month project, you know, to get, you know, to get right. And who knows, maybe they have to do it in half the time and think, oh, we can do it because we got the volume or, oh, we can do it because we got this. And so, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, so like I said, but to cut them a little slack, it might be that they're just having to turn around too much stuff, you know, too quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The beast must be fed. Otherwise people might, might turn off their subscription. I want, we can't let that, that happen. Yeah. 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 I, I got my, brain working too on justice league the the whole like four hour movie thing where it's like they broke it into chapters but each chapter still felt like it was like three and a half hours long by itself i don't know how you do that with a four-hour movie but that's what it felt like um so it's like i'm wondering if like that where, where, would by the way, where does that movie fall on your uh your list oh uh, the remake uh let me let me pull it up um while I'm pulling it up, I'll try to finish my point, which sorry, is just sorry. that. No, no, like, I feel like that would have been like this format, a weekly thing, would have almost made more sense, I think, for that movie because it was just so much. Um, so it's like, again, I like a weekly release for this still makes sense, but again, when you got the weaker episode, maybe you package it with a with the next episode all right justice league the snyder cut i had it 77 and the original cut i also ranked um at 97 so both in the so better yes yeah which 
So, well, I mean, you know, like I said, it'll be, you're right. It, let's see what uh, next week, what next week brings. Again, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's always fun to see Star Wars. Um, um, I, but yeah, I, and there was good stuff this week, you know, the atmosphere, you know, Tatooine and Jabba's palace and, you know, the Wookiee and the Rancor and Danny Trejo. <laughs> it's like and uh office space steven root you know it's like you know there's so there was still a lot of really good fun stuff Um, oh gosh did you see the meme where somebody said said put uh steven root's melvin character saying i tell boba fett that somebody stole his red stapler yeah but they photoshopped him in and i was just like perfect no i uh yeah it's and actually, the Danny Trejo thing, Britt and I just both, that was the thing that made us go, ah, <laughs> it was, you know, so, um, yeah, I, but I can, I also am hearing, we, we haven't seen really, the, the, the stuff that we've seen new is all the stuff with the Tuscans. Everything else, you know, is, you know, way too, uh, it's nice to see the, the frog eating the thing and belching and, you know, and, those little callbacks but it's starting to get a little bit too on the nose now um yeah 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 um give us give us the new stuff you know again even if you piss us off just keep giving us um interesting weird things that we haven't seen before because that's that will ultimately decide for me if i'm gonna come back and watch this again yeah Mm -hmm. you know um, or it, or it's just really good. Um, it could be either really good, or it has a bunch of cornball weirdness to it. So I know we're coming to the end. I, I still want to go back that that the fact that we keep seeing Camino in a flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's paid off, or if it's paid off. I don't know. Um, yeah, because it's always that mission where Django's leaving and mm-hmm. Boba's left behind. Which mm-hmm. clearly alludes to disconnection, loneliness, being separated from a sense of identity. Because all the sense of identity is from his dad. Uh, we never know. I mean, the last time we saw, well, no. Last time we saw Boba in Attack of the Clones, he was on Geonosis. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we see him again is when he's running around with the other bounty hunters. So I wonder if in some way this might be like a nerdy deep cut, huh? which part for the course here. If you ever read any of the books of A Song of Ice and Fire, the books that became Game of Thrones, there's always this image running back in Daenerys's mind of a house with a red door, which she remembers from being a little girl. And she always correlates that house with the red door with home. You know, every child has in their mind a place that is defined as home. It's safe. It's where you feel uh, protected, and assured by against the world. And I wonder if in some ways Camino and its rooms with Django are that for Boba. Yeah, could be. Well, all right. Well, I tell you, um, let us know what you thought of this chapter of Book of Boba Fett and let us know if we're way off base and how we're how we're feeling, what we talked about, if all pizza is good pizza, depending on the time of day. <laughs> um, but uh, you can hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook, let us know. Um, but uh, yeah, so 
look forward to the next episode. And I guess until then, we will say, oh, and check out Dave's blog and let him know if you agree with his uh, um, comic book rankings. And uh, well, all those sex ad fights are coming for you, Dave. Yeah, I, I want I want a lot of I want a lot of Twitter fights with Dave this week. So uh, <laughs> re, un, un, release the Kraken. Anyway, but until then, we will say who dat, who dat, and you guys have a great week. My